Hey everyone, welcome to Garage Talk. I'm Conrad, let's go. I'm Ted, it's time to rock and roll. Special guest today. Elwood's Athletic Director, Ryan Van Skyock. How we doing, Ryan? Doing good, how about you guys? We're great, we're better now that you're on with us. Yeah, man, yeah, we've been looking forward to this because uh, we we follow your Facebook page. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been an interesting since I've been there. So a lot of changes to try to turn around our athletic program for sure. Yeah, well, uh, but before we get started, why don't you let everyone know a little bit about yourself, about your family? Yeah, uh, I'm married to my wife, Kayleen. I have two sons, Leighton and Logan, and uh, was been a basketball coach for around 17 years of my life, so... Basketball is my love and passion, but always wanted to be an athletic director as well. So, uh, to me, I always like rebuilding stuff. So, I seen kind of Elwood as a rebuilding process. So, something that kind of intrigued me and why I applied for that position. That's awesome. That's awesome. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Portland in the Jay County area. So, uh, they call us Jay Tuckies, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've heard of Jay Tucky. So you're a patriot. Yeah. Yep, patriot turned into a panther. Yeah, he's a panther yep. now. Yep, yep. true hey. blown panther. <laughs> hey, you have to be, and that's admirable. Yeah, man, that's yep. awesome. Uh, just so you know, some of some of the people out there don't understand uh, the life of an athletic director. Could you explain? what an AD does and some of the responsibilities of an athletic director, because we know there's many. Yeah. You just basically, it's something new every day that comes up. So like you're dealing with t-shirts, you're dealing with money, you're dealing with putting on events. Uh, you got parent issues to deal with the social media aspect nowadays. So just seems like something new. You're learning something something new that comes up and it's a challenge but uh the great part about it is you get to deal with awesome kids and the community members and build something special so uh to me it's the closest thing i th- i felt like when you're coaching or being in an athletic position is the closest thing as when you were a player to have that same kind of feeling uh, so that was, again, one of the reasons why I got into it was, uh, I love sports. I love being around it. Uh, but the time that you're dealing with sports is time consuming. Just like we had our football thing Friday and then Saturday we hosted a eight person volleyball tournament. So I think I got like 30 some hours in the last two days. Oh man. <laughs> the life of an athletic director is very busy. I, I've, I've seen them all in action. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh, seems like every day. I mean, you're dealing with something, so it's just it's, it's very time consuming. You got to have family that really behind you and knows you're going to be going a lot. But uh, again, I've been trying to keep my family around, so my kids have been around helping me and my wife as well. So that kind of helps help us helps us a little bit. Stay in contact and and communicate. Yep. Yeah, it's very important. Family family being your. Uh, your your support system is is a, a a huge key in your success, yeah, right? Yeah, most definitely. And like when I was at the IHSA meeting, they had a hundred new athletic directors this year. But the lifespan that an AD makes 
to year three is about 55%. So most athletic directors don't even make it to year three just because of the burnout. So uh, it was a crazy number that they threw out at you, just uh, how hard the job really is. Oh, I'm sure that's that's crazy. But but you mentioned something a minute ago that you get to work with awesome kids. Now that's yeah, I feel bad for our kids. I mean, they've won one football game in four years. They won one basketball game last year. They've had five new football coaches in seven years. Yeah. It just seems like everybody comes in and they see how tough it is, and they don't want to put in the work to change it around. So uh, that's basically why I've been working so hard because I feel bad for our kids like to me the greatest feeling in the world is winning and our kids have not felt that so uh, I feel like everybody quits on them because nobody wants to put in the work because it is hard we're in a rough spot it's going to be a lot of changes to change it around so uh, to me our kids are really awesome Uh, last year they had six girl basketball players on the whole program And basically, those girls didn't want to quit, and they played with six girls all season, even though they were getting beat by 50 or 60 points. To right. me, it just showed a lot about the type of kid that is out of Elwood. Right. Yeah. And that's 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 key. I mean, but from everything we see and everything we read, you've got that school system on the right track. Yeah. I mean, the, the hardest part when I got hired is they felt like, it would be hard to get the community to buy in because everybody would just come in and then they would leave. I mean, just be coaches, administrators, teachers. Again, the aspect of nobody wanted to stay. And to be honest with you, the easiest part I think has been is getting the community involved because the community wanted change. They wanted somebody in here that uh, wanted to be in the community, working the community. So, uh, it's been great having their involvement of us trying to change this thing around because it's just not going to take me. It's going to take all of us to change it around. Yeah, that's something we wanted to talk to you about because uh, changing culture, uh, well, you, you, it sounds like you're trying to change the culture back to that winning uh, culture. And uh, how, how how hard is it to do that? And and also get the whole community to buy into what you're trying to do. Yeah, that was, when I came in, I called it like a losing mentality. So basically our kids thought they were losers. Our coaches thought they were losers. Our community members thought they were losers. So they just basically accepted it. And to me, like if you think you're going to lose, you are definitely going to lose. You have no chance of winning. So. Uh, right away, we've been trying to hit them with winning mentality, being positive. Uh, the reason why you go and play is to try and win the game. So uh, the first week I got the job, I mean, I heard a couple of kid, coaches were telling kids that, well, we know we're not very good and we're not going to win, so we're just going to go out and have fun. I was like, no, that you can't have that mentality or you're never going to win. And then the kids are not going to even try. So uh, changing that mentality – the other mentality we had to really change was basically the community members were so fed up with the athletics. Like, we have so many good kids that are at uh, Franklin, at Madison Grant, at um, Alexandria, at LaPel. So we've just had all kinds of good athletes that didn't want to stick around because of all the change. So 
I mean, if you just look at the area schools around us have a bunch of our really good athletes, that's why we really struggle. So I felt like in the last two and a half months, we really stopped the bleeding of kids leaving, and now we really have a chance to really build back the program. Yeah, that's disheartening when you see someone, uh, especially from your community, leave for uh, a, a school rival. Yeah, and that's the the good part is like the last couple of weeks we've had parents call and email me, and they're now sending their kid back to Elwood because they feel like things are back on track. So that's been great to see because. I was honest with people in the community. Like, if they continued the decline of kids leaving, I don't even think there would have been a school in Elwood in another 10 years. So I think we've done our job of stopping the bleeding, and now we got to build it back up where a lot more of those kids want to come back. So touch on – touch on because did, did you write that um, letter to the community that was on Elwood's uh, Facebook page? Yeah, I got um, basically sick of people saying that Elwood sucks. Uh, we don't even want to be we don't even be associated with Elwood because we suck. Uh, <laughs> I just everywhere I went, I heard that and kept hearing it, kept hearing. It. I was like, I'm just fed up with it. Like, you either want change or you don't want change. And if you accept Elwood being basically sucking, then they're never going to be any good. So. Uh, my whole mindset is we're in a new era. Either jump on the train or we leave you behind and we're going because we're not going to have any negative mentality of people anymore. So uh, I just wanted people to know, like, we're changing. We're in a new era, and you can jump on the train and join us. And if you want to complain and mope, then you can just stay behind, but we're leaving you behind. So uh, the support of that was a lot better than what I was expecting, uh, but the community really bought into it because they were uh, the faithful basically sick of hearing that as well. So I just felt like it was something that needed to address because almost everywhere I went, I just kept hearing, we don't want to be associated with Elwood. And it just uh, basically drove me nuts. Uh, I'll tell you right now, when I read it, heck, I got inspired. Yeah. (laughs) Because I was like, that's what I'm talking about, like get, letting people know, because sometimes people in the community feel uh, left in the dark, wondering, yeah. wondering what's going on over there. And and you shed light on that. And what I really like is, you know, you, you spoke to everyone in the community because you said, do you want to look back in 10 and 20 years? Uh back down the road and say to yourself, I wish I would have played more high school sports or been a part of that. I was like, yeah, that's that, that needed to be said. Cause you hear that all the time. Like, I mean, I've been around it for a long time and almost everybody comes up and says, or like, I wish I would have played a sport. I wish I wouldn't have quit this sport when I was a senior or junior. And like, the kids don't understand it now. There's going to be a yeah. point in time in their life down the road that's going to come up and they're going to be like, I screwed up. And, and our whole goal, my whole goal is to try to tell them now, like, it's going to happen. <laughs> you don't realize it now, but it's going to happen down the road that you're going to feel like that and you need to get involved in as much 
activities as you can. So I mean, I'm one of them. I, I, I stopped playing my freshman year and going on, you know, 45 years walking this planet, I regret it every day. Yep. I missed out. And, and just like, I'm sick of hearing kids say like, well, I don't like this coach. Like there's going to be, when you get in the real life, I try to tell them is like, you're going to have people that you don't like working for, but there's sometimes you got to do things that you don't like. And there are going to be times that you're going to be around people you don't like. So uh, to me, sports really, when you're on a sports team, it really puts you of what real life is going to be uh, down the road just because of the work ethic, having to be on time, having to work with other people. So uh, to me, that's why I always love sports because I think – think it gets you ready for real life situations yeah it's uh what do you think ted well i agree i mean we talk about that a lot you know that's what we we try to tell kids and and most of the coaches we have on say the same thing you know you've got a coach now you know one day you're gonna have a boss you might not like that boss you you Mm -hmm. might have teammates you don't get along with you're gonna have coworkers you don't get along with you know like you said sports is teaching these kids life lessons and they, they just don't some of them don't grasp that yet but something else you mentioned, you know, you said that, you know, a lot of the kids are like, well, we're losers, we're losers. You know, in Conrad and I's eyes, no kid's a loser. No, no. They can be – they have potential somewhere. They just have to find the right person to tap into it. Yeah, and that was been the biggest thing is, like, I've made so much change because I just needed coaches in there that want to work hard and be positive with the kids and want to really work with the kids. And they didn't have that. So basically, people, coaches didn't want to come to Elwood because they knew how bad they were. So nobody basically just said, and from an outsider perspective, people called it a career killer. Uh-huh. Nobody was going there to coach because it was a career killer. Ouch. Everybody I know told me I how crazy I was taking an athletic director's job. So uh, to me, there's no greater feeling than being able to turn one of those programs around so that's one of the big reasons why i wanted to take it because i love turning things around so to me if you can do something like that you can do any kind of job so you sound like I'm not doing. <laughs> yeah you sound yeah. like you enjoy being an underdog yeah most definitely i mean there's no greater feeling than surprising somebody so true and that's you know we actually uh, had a varsity coach on friday that he's going into a rebuild next year and he, he's like, nope, it's not a rebuild. It's a build. Yep. And the hardest part of that is you can destroy something within a year or two years. Uh-huh. The hardest part for community members, I think, is going to be is we're not going to build it overnight. Correct. So it's going to take a while for us to build it back up. But you should be steps by steps of us eventually getting better and better and better. So... I think that's going to be the hardest part because some people see change and then they think, oh, that's going to happen right now. Well, it don't take long to destroy something, but it takes a long time to build it back up. Right, so, absolutely uh, right. I think that's going to be the hardest part for our community and that would it's not going to happen overnight, but eventually we're going to get where we want to be. analogy I give everybody is the athletic department was basically a mess and everybody knows it. It was like a house that was on fire. And nobody ever called, uh, basically, the fire truck <laughs> to come in and put, put the house out. 
So basically, it just burnt to the ground real slow. Uh-huh. I felt like in the last two months, we basically cleaned the debris away. And now we're starting to build basically the foundation and start uh-huh. building the walls up. So we have a long ways ahead of us, but I feel like we're at starting to build now instead of just stopping the bleeding. So I feel like we're moving in the right direction, but again, we're only like 20% of where we want to be. I mean, we got a long ways to build our house still. Well, uh, my, my, my thought is, at what grade level do you start pouring that foundation into? Because Every- my, my, I, I preach this all the time. Middle, I, well, this is just my thought, and I'm really right. no expert, but middle school is a bottleneck mm-hmm. to high school athletics is how I feel. The- this is why I think Elwood was so bad. So when I came in, the high school system, the middle school, and the feeder systems was all doing something different in every single program. Everywhere I've been, to be successful, your feeder system, your middle school, and your high school is all doing the same thing. Uh-huh. And once they're at the high school, they understand your system, and then you can, be, you can go a little farther with it. So youth, basically, you're building the foundation of the skills you want them to know, the language you want them to know. Then, like, middle school, they're going a little more advanced, starting to learn more of the plays. And then when they get to high school, they should know all that stuff. I and mean, You guys should be more detailed. So, to me, the biggest problem they had was everybody was on a different page, and that's something that we went in right away and changed. So. We've been meeting with the high school coaches, had to meet with the middle school coaches and the feeder systems all together, give them playbook. And then a requirement that I'm making our high school coaches is they got to be involved in the feeder systems and the middle school as well. So uh, to me, that was the biggest dysfunction we had was not everybody was on the same page. And it was so hard for kids. They're learning something different when they're young. Middle school is totally something different, and then high school they had no clue, and it's hard to teach your system in three or four years, especially with the turnover we had of coaches. So, uh, to me, again, I feel so bad for our kids because yeah. I feel like they've not had what they needed to be to have a good high school experience in sports. Because Ted, we grew up over here in Missinawal, but we've seen it other places haven't we Ted? oh yeah definitely where where they're real bad in youth sports and middle school but when they get to high school they're untouchable or they're real good in youth sports and middle school and then high school it it didn't it never translated you yep. and i think my prime example is like Eastbrook football. I mean, Eastbrook football used to not be very good, and then he came in and built up the youth system right away. Now it's just like a well-oiled machine. I mean, those kids from the youth and the middle school know everything that he wants out of them, and when he gets up to Eastbrook football varsity-wise, I mean, he's just rolling with those kids because they already understand the system. So uh, that was one of the biggest examples, just being around him as like, that's a well-oiled machine of how you're supposed to do it. That's been everywhere I've been. I mean, the teams that are successful that way. That, I mean, it, it's it's always a reload, 
not rebuild. Yep. And I told our coaches too, like, like being a basketball guy, you're trying to basically get three out of three or four kids out of each class. Yeah. So if you could get that and you could get those kids taught, I mean, you're doing your job because when, when they get up to high school, then you're going to have your 12 kids and you're just going to basically re reload with those three or four yeah. kids every year. So, yeah, I, I tried to explain to a parent one time because I was in, heavily involved in the youth organization here. You can win in, in rec league in middle school. You can win with one really wow. good kid. When you get to high school, you're going to miss, you know, some role players. You, you, you're, yeah. you know, that one kid's going to get shut down and everybody else isn't going to know what to do because they're going to have to have their that ball in their hands and they're not going to know what to do. And I've screamed and screamed like, hey, middle school, why are we having the same, the, the A team always running, the, those five starters always running the plays? Why aren't we having the bench involved more often? Why why are we still giving kids garbage minutes in middle school? But hey, there again, what do I know? I'm just well, um, a fan prime, in the stands. Example, being, a, you know, being a basketball coach, like I've seen it all the time, was where the best player. So in little league or youth league, they'd have a guy come and set a ball screen, and the best player would just drive for a layup. Uh huh. When he gets to middle school and high school, then he can't basically dribble with his left hand or the opposite hand. And, I mean, those kids are so good and they're scattering you for it, and then that kid basically is not a very good player because he never developed any skills. So you just see that stuff all the time. And to me, like, the youth is the most important thing to have a successful program if you're a high school coach. Absolutely. Well, uh, Ryan, we got to take a, a commercial break. Uh, we would love for you to stay on. We have a couple more topics we'd like to touch on. Ain't that right, Ted? Yes, we do. All right. So we'll be back with, with uh, Ryan Van Skyock right after this. Onan Construction Group for all your exterior home improvement needs. Specializing in roofing, siding, and gutters. Get a professional, quality job done at a competitive price. For a free estimate, call Trevor at 765-661-0689 or go to mononconstructiongroup.com. You've tried the rest. Now call the best. Monon Construction Group, LLC. All right, we're back with Ryan. Ryan, this is Ted, and I want, I want to take you back a little bit. Tell us a little bit. Okay. What, what did you do growing up? What sports did you participate in? So I was uh, basketball and football, and I played baseball for a while, but I just, it got so boring for me. And, I do, uh, and that's why I tell kids, like, that's one of the sports I do regret not finishing and playing. So I had one of those experiences as well. But uh, basketball and football was always my love. Well, that's good. That's great. All right, now staying with, with the youth, you as a coach, did you encourage your players to play multiple sports? Yeah, it's uh, so huge. <laughs> Just like as a basketball person, you want—I always wanted my kids either playing soccer, tennis, or football. Just because of the besides the lateral quickness, uh-huh. uh, the toughness, and the mentality of the sports as well. So, uh, to me, I always wanted mentally tough kids. 
uh, as a basketball coach, you always wanted, we're all about defense. We always wanted lateral quickness. So uh, one prime example when I was at Delta, I had Caleb Slavin, who was a Division One football player. And every time a college, Division One college coach would come in, they wanted to see him practice basketball skills because they wanted to see his agility, his quickness, how he could jump. So that really opened my eyes as a basketball coach. Was like, that's what Division One coaches want to see. They want to see the athletes in the other sports to see how basically athletic that person is. So right. I really push it on our kids at time is like, if you want to be Division One, they're going to be looking at your other sports to play to see what kind of athlete you are. That's true, and that's that's key. That's a lot of a lot of these kids don't don't get don't get that this these days. Um, now I, I did see a picture of you guys' football game Friday night. It looks like you had a, a pretty good crowd on your side. Yeah, that was a, a fun night. I think we ended up. With- 2,900 people, which ended up being one of the larger crowds I was had for a long, long time. Wow. uh, We ended up, to me, it was, we really wanted to honor two people. So we honored Ben Capshaw was our youth pastor. Uh Friday was a year that he passed away in a car accident at Elwood. Yep. He was also a coach, so he was just a tremendous guy. Our family was uh, really great. And he it was terrible to lose him, but it was great to just be able to honor him because he means so much to the kids in Elwood. And then, of course, having Officer Noah, uh-huh. uh, that's been a tragic event. Oh, yeah. Uh, but to have his mom and dad there and just to have the people support them going through what they are right now, uh, it's just something special. So I was glad we were able to honor both of those people and just have a good crowd. Uh, of course, the football game didn't turn out like we wanted it to, but... Uh, I felt like we did our job of honoring two great people in the Elwood community. That's awesome. That yeah, that that, that that just mean a lot to the families. It's you know the community, and you know we, we see the support for those people too. It's yeah, our nice. thoughts and prayers were coming from over in our community. A lot of people uh, back yeah, to was, yours. Um, yeah, Shana Doe raised like thirty five hundred dollars. So they all had t shirts that had Officer Noah on them. Cool. And they give all that money to them as well. So it was just, it was great for all, us, all of us to come together as one uh, for something bigger than sports. So it, it just ended up being a, a great night all around of honoring those people. Okay. So I want to uh, dive back into the athletic director's duties. Yep. So when you're, uh, when you have a coaching position open what are uh some tangibles that you look for when you uh go into that coach's interview so number one for me is your work ethic uh when i was at jay county working under craig teagle i mean that's something he instilled in me was just the work ethic it takes to be a successful coach uh, lazy, laziness is one of the things that drives me nuts the most and there's a lot of it now in this world and, and the younger kids so um, work ethic I want a person that has varsity experience or coaching experience so there's a lot of people apply for jobs that have like junior high or freshmen but I want somebody to sit there and work and understand what it takes to be a head coach 
Um, and then the other, the third major one for me is I want a person that is a motivator that can also build a feeder system because to me that is the key is you got to be able to be down there working with those young kids. It's going to take a lot of time and a lot of work, but to me, if you can build a feeder system, I think you're automatically going to be a successful coach. Developmental programs, Ted, are 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 so valuable, don't you think? Well, yeah, one hundred percent. Just like Ryan's saying, you know, the coach has got to be involved. He's got to be there. But another big thing I think for those kids down in the youth leagues is if your high school players show up down there, whether they're instructing you something or just stop in to watch your game. A lot of those kids looked up, oh, looked man, up to those they high do. school varsity players. I mean, I, I know that there was some that had favorite uh, favorites, mm-hmm. you know, which was always <laughs> the best one on the team. Or, Normally, yeah. yeah. But they – Yeah, they, that's a – Go ahead. And just going off of what you guys are saying, I mean, that was another huge problem we had to with. Our coaches would never be down there. Mm-hmm. Our players would never be down there. I know how I felt when I was, like, a little kid. Is like, when the head coach came down to work with me and, like, built that relationship with him, I would run through a brick wall for that person. That's oh, yeah. I was trying to tell our coaches, like, if you build that relationship with them, even though even if we are bad – we don't have to worry about kids leaving because you built that relationship with them. Uh-huh. They'd love you, and they would do anything for you. So yep. that's been another aspect that we've been really trying to hit is getting our players and coaches involved down there as well. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a huge, uh, huge key right there is having the coaches and players involved. Um, are you guys working on um, – Bigger, stronger, faster, a strength and conditioning program over there as well? Yeah, so we don't have a strength coach, and we didn't have – so when I got the job, the two biggest things that I identified right away was we weren't very fast compared to other teams. And we weren't very strong. So it's a lot of work on me, but in the summer I took those kids. We took every athlete in the school. They would come in at 7 or 8 a.m., and I'd run through agility and street street training. So we're going to continue to do that as well during the year. Um, again, a lot of work on me, but we don't have the money right now to hire those positions. So that's just something that I know that has to be done for us to be successful. So uh, it's been great to see the kids working together as one, no matter what sport they've, they've been in, uh, to get better and to get quicker. So... Uh, hopefully that continues to keep growing like it has been, and uh, we really uh, address those problems that we've had the last couple of years. Yeah, because I was telling Ted, I was uh, speaking with a very seasoned uh, coach over in Jay County, Carrie uh, Blake, and mm-hmm. and uh, I was asking him, you know, what's the secret sauce to going to state? And he said, speed and somebody to block for you. Yep. Yeah, most definitely. It's like almost every school nowadays, I mean, and you've seen in college too, is like the strength programs are just really blowing up and people are really focusing on that. 
and how much it does have an impact on your sport. So uh, uh, I feel like we're turning the corner where we need to be. We still got a lot of work ahead of us, but uh, we're starting to implement some of those things that we need to be successful. So the kids have been really great on showing up. So it's been a great time to see that they want to improve as well. Well, that, that's, like I said, that's very, very admirable of you that you're going out of your way to do that during the summer. And that's, you know, that, that says a lot about you. And that's, a, Conrad and I talk about that a lot. You know, you guys, you guys are heroes. I mean, you guys that, that put kids ahead of yourself, it's, it, it's amazing. It really is. Now, do you guys have any community service projects that you guys work on or planning on working on? Well, we we do a lot. So we started the basically we do athletes in the community day. So our first one we had in June, uh, we went out and helped with the food drive, and we ended up having seventy or eighty kids out of our four hundred students, uh, and that and that's just a total of students. So we probably had seventy five percent, eighty percent of our athletes show up for that food drive that first day. And then we also went around the community and also painted the welcome to Elwood sign and just spruced up our city a little bit. So um, the community feedback on that was amazing. Uh, my goal is to do that. We're going to do one at wintertime where we go by uh, presents to give more to families that are less fortunate or having pro- uh, little financial issues right now. Uh, just the way the world is. It's a right. crazy world right now. And then we're going to do one in the spring as well of just giving back in our community and help spruce up as well. So to me, being a community, especially when you're not very good, it gets people on your side where they come out and support you no matter what the score is. So uh, that's been a uh, big focus for us as well. But it's just nice to give back. I mean, the kids understand when they do those things of how unfortunate some people's lives are and how you can make an impact to help people. So I think it's really been eye-opening the first one we did with the kids. And I can't wait for the winter time. Because uh, when I was a basketball coach, that was one of my favorite things to do is buy presents and hand them out to uh, kids who are less fortunate than they are. That's awesome. That's, That's a good feeling, too. Yeah, that is. It's, I mean, it's, it's better to give than to receive. Yeah, most definitely. And, I, and we're going to go as an athletic department on Thanksgiving, and we're going to uh, help feed the homeless or people in need as well. So uh, to me, that's going to be eye-opening for those kids as well to just see how many people really are hurting right now. Uh-huh. All right, now we're talking about some of this stuff here. Let's tap into mental health right now. That seems to be a big, big topic that's going around. What kind of what kind of views do you guys have on that? Well, I mean it's uh, it's a thing close to my heart. So when I started my teaching career as a gym teacher, there was one day that we went out first period and a student hung themselves from the bleachers, oh. and that's something that will always uh, be basically in my mind, and it's something I really worry about because suicide rates are at an all time high right uh-huh. now in high school. Is, especially when COVID hit. So uh, it's something to me as a coach, that's one of your duties or even as an athletic director because it seems like 
kids trust coaches more and they open up more. And that's why I tell our coaches all the time is like, if you see a kid that you feel like needs help when they're talking to you, we need to address that right away. Uh-huh. And we need to get that kid help because it just seems like there's times that kids don't tell teacher stuff or their parents, but it seems like they open up more at practice or around coaches because just that trust level with them. And to me, that's something we've really been focused on because that's something that has affected me uh, ever since that day. And I just don't ever want to go through that again. So uh, hopefully we can do our job of getting those kids help. But I mean, you hear it every day. There's another suicide and, and the different things that's going on with that. So um, right now, me personally, if we had the money, I would help buy like a sports psychologist just to be around and to help those kids because the, the sad part with sports to me is parents put a lot of pressure on their kids when it comes to high school sports. And you see it all the time and you just keep pushing those kids, pushing those kids and it scares me to death. Now a lot of them just quit the sport, but then the other, uh, some of them go into depression and other things and that leads to uh, uh, bad situations as well. So hopefully uh, things get better. It seems like COVID kind of behind us a little bit and kids are able to just be around each other more, but yeah, it's a, it's a scary situation. That's for sure. Yes. As technology's moving forward, it's, it's a little baffling how they can be socially awkward, but they're still in communication with one another. Um, and, and when COVID hit, I, I, I noticed a lot more, uh, kids in seclusion, but you know, at the same time, uh, th- they were able to communicate better across the the internet than they are in person. Yeah, and that's an everyday life, man. You just like you walk in the community, or you walk in a store, and just the amount of people on the phone. Uh, you hear it all the time of kids say, oh, we get to text mom and dad at supper time or they're in different rooms. It's just like, <laughs> for me, one of our biggest problems in today's world is just lack of communication. And mm-hmm. it's in all aspects. And I just, it drives me crazy, but uh, it's the world we live in today. But um, I think that's why I love sports so much because kids are not around their phones and practice and different things like that. And you actually do get to communicate with each other nowadays. But, the other problem we see now with the social media is back in the day when you're getting bullied or whatever, mm-hmm. when you were basically out of school, then you're away from that person. So it gave you a chance to uh, basically be free and live a little bit. But now basically it follows you wherever you go because social media, so that person can always uh, find a way to get at you. So I feel like that's another thing that's uh, making our suicide rates go up higher because those people can never get away from those people that's bothering them. Yeah. yeah. That was the next thing I was going to bring up. Cause that bullying seems to be such a, but it's not just in school. I mean, I see it in workplaces. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's terrible. So, yeah. And we got, we try to make a social media policy, but just, Man, that's the first place a parent's upset or a kid's mad at somebody. It's the first place to go. They write the stuff on social media, and it just goes chaotic, as you know, and turns into other messes. So, I mean, 
I just wish people, when they had a problem, they would go to that person, just communicate and talk it out. So just going with social media aspect and getting everybody else involved. Yeah, I've kind of raised my kids to not put anything on social media that you wouldn't want on the front page of the newspaper. Um, Just because of the fact that it's there forever. Somebody screenshot it. Even if you delete it, they have it, and they will share it. Um, social media has <laughs> its ups, its upside, and it's got, it's definitely got its downside. Yeah, and uh, a prime example, so I make our kids go through a social media class with me. So I won't name the name of the kid, but I had a basketball player player for me who was probably the visual one talent but on his social media pages he has stuff that was not good stuff and it basically college coaches didn't want any aspect of that and he ended up not getting a college scholarship because of what he had on his social media page and so we just to me that's probably one of the most important classes I have with athletes that want to play college people are always looking at what you're writing how you're doing stuff and they just need to be aware of that stuff. So, uh, we try to help our kids as much as possible, but you still have situations where uh, they're writing stuff or posting stuff that they shouldn't be. I've heard of people not getting jobs because the jobs have looked at their social media pages. (laughs) Well, and that's like, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of schools now, a lot of high schools, you know, mostly colleges, but, I think it's filtering down to high schools now. They, most of them have a social media person. Yeah, because basically that's how everybody sees your character. Uh-huh. What you're, what's on your social media page. So right. you might put something on there that maybe you don't agree with or maybe it's not you, but once you post it, that's how they feel like that's your character. And yep. once you do it, you can't take it back. So or yeah. try to talk, you, know, you need to be aware of what you're posting and how you're posting your stuff. Yep, exactly. It's definitely a soapbox. Sometimes people get on there and uh, express their political opinions or any opinion about anything. You or how you live your life or how they're living their lives. But, you know, going back to that uh, that athlete you were talking about, what what are some prime qualities you look for in your student athletes? Well, to me, like, I'm a big family guy. Mm-hmm. So to me, like, the number one is just a person that's supportive of their mom and dad, always thinking their mom and dad, just have those polite manners, a uh, person that's not afraid to love their parents and express that. Uh, to me, the, your family is the one that always has your back. And when you can express those things to me, it shows you a lot about that person's character. So uh, that that's probably my number one thing is, is how much they love their family and express that to people. Well, that's, that, that's exactly, you know, the qualities that, that should be looked after. Um, yeah, I, another thing is I, I'm not very many kids say thank you anymore yeah. mm-hmm. you know what I mean it's just like those are the things that were instilled by your family and a lot of those kids just don't use that stuff anymore and it, it drives me crazy or 
open a door for an elderly person. So, uh, like when I was coaching, all of our players would have to tell their, call their teachers by Mr. Mr. Uh-huh. Just to show that respect to those people. So, uh, I feel like there's not a lot of that anymore in today's world. No, we need not. more of it. No, we do. Definitely. Holding doors open, you know, for others, whether they need it or not, you know, just showing a little bit of, uh, of respect for, you know, for your elders. Go sit with that kid. Yep. Lunch is sitting by yourself. Yeah. Go befriend him. Yeah. So my, much, so much we can do. And that's. Yeah. My 23 year old niece today, we had a birthday party and she said, I'll get up for you, uncle Conrad. And I said, well, you're a lady. If I was 80 years old, I'd sit on the floor so you could have that chair. <laughs> but I was raised by uh, <laughs> my grandmother, so she was, uh, yeah. yeah, it was always, please and thank you, and can I open the refrigerator? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't just go and open it every 10 minutes. But, yeah, Ryan, uh, we do a little segment here, uh, Ted does. It's a it's a quick answer question type thing. So no, okay. no, nothing too hard. No no algebra, right, Ted? This <laughs> no, time, no. that's a good sign. Cause it might be here. Now, just some real quick questions. That's like, okay, so if you say you're at a barbecue or a cookout, you know, you, you want a burger or your brat or a hot dog? Brat. Okay. What would your drink of choice be? Water, tea, lemonade. Water. I haven't had pop for two years now. Wow, good. Oh, <laughs> yeah. High five, man. High five. Okay. <laughs> now, obviously, you're big into basketball. Other than basketball, what, what would be your favorite sport to watch? Football and New York Giants. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> we got a Yankee fan over here in baseball. Yeah, I'm so. a Yankee fan, and but I'm a big Colts fan. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I was a big Colts fan until they got rid of Peyton and then. Oh. That was yeah. I don't like him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Who now in your career, whether it's a high school athlete or a college athlete, who's the best athlete you've ever seen in person? Oh man, you put, you put me on the spot. <laughs> that's that's always a tough one for everybody. Well, that's that's going to be a long answer. That's a fine. Bit. That's so fine. When we went to the state championship at Jay County. Uh, Greg Oden as a high school player is wow. probably one of the best high school players I've ever seen in my life. Man. Just, he was unbelievable when he was in high school. Just, I mean, he was, uh, as everybody knows, but he just had the body of a man. At that uh-huh. age and it was unbelievable. And then, man, that's, and that's so hard. You see talent like that, and somebody has to deal with injuries. Uh, yeah. you, you hate that for people. Yeah, cause, I mean, because you had him, but then you never would have. Uh, Conley was good, but you never thought he was going to be an NBA draft lottery pick. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really good, but just, yeah, it was crazy. And that's, <laughs> Greg Oden's body at the high school level when he was uh, that young was unbelievable. Yeah, that, that's unreal. And that's that, that's what a lot of these kids these days don't understand. You can get into college. You didn't have to be the top scorer or the the top rusher on your football team or the top pitcher on your baseball team. These coaches these days look for more than just 
just that, don't they? Yep, because the end of the day, what did Conley make? $400 million as NBA career, uh-huh. and everybody thought it would be Odin. So. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's in right. the shadows the whole time, but he ended up having a career and making the money. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, Ryan, who was your biggest influence in life? Uh, probably my mother. Okay, good, good. All right, you made it through rapid fire very well. We appreciate that. <laughs> couple long, couple long answers. Hey, that, that, <laughs> yeah, you're all right. We, we've had longer. We've Chuck. had longer. Yeah, Which we don't mind. We don't yeah, mind at all. Ryan, we do appreciate everything that you're doing over there, and we appreciate your time and um, and 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 keep it up, man. Yeah, you're, you're, oh, I appreciate you're, it. You guys ever want to come a game or do any segments with our kids? Just let me know. Fantastic. Yeah, we, well, we would love that. We are actually going to see you ten uh, seven at seven p.m. when the Missinawa Indians come over. Awesome. We'll, we'll treat you guys. Uh, make sure you I'll get. Make sure you guys come to our hospitality room and stuff. And Great. Nice yeah. meeting you guys in person. So yeah, we would yeah. love that. We would love that. Yeah. Hey, hey. yeah. Right, you're I'll making definitely take care of you. So yeah, we appreciate that. But you're making a difference, and and please keep making a difference. Thanks, I appreciate you guys. Thank appreciate you. Yeah, you hey, so we'll send you this link when uh, when the episode airs, and and uh, hopefully you'll share it. It's been a good Thanks, episode, yeah, man. Definitely. All, right. All right, you have a good day, man. Yep, you too. Later. See ya. Hey, and we want to give a shout out uh, to you know our sponsors. Uh, Without them, Ted, where would we be? Probably punching each other. (laughs) (laughs) You said this is going to (laughs) work. I didn't think it was going to go this good. (laughs) But we want to say thank you to Beast Prince and uh, uh, Jennifer Swanner. What an incredible realtor and friend and person to know. Mm -hmm. And and Nicholson 2.0. And uh, Amy and Pat Pearson, you guys are amazing. And if you guys want to smell real good, your car, what else? Your home. Your home. Take a bath bomb and oh, yeah. get that body smelling good. Yeah. Go see them over at Mama Pearson Soporium. And, uh, of course, our beverage sponsor. Onan Construction Group for all your exterior home improvement needs. Specializing in roofing, siding, and gutters. Get a professional, quality job done at a competitive price. For a free estimate, call Trevor at 765-661-0689 or go to mononconstructiongroup.com. You've tried the rest, now call the best. Monon Construction Group, LLC.